It is a delight to be with you. I got good news for you. Uh, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Amen? Amen. And uh, let me just give you the Philadelphia version of that. How are you doing? <laughs> I mean, you're not supposed to laugh at that. So what you're supposed to do in Philadelphia, when we say, how are you doing, it's kind of a rhetorical question. You respond with the question and like, and you say, how are you doing? Let's try it again. Ready? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm doing great, and it's a joy and a delight and an honor to be here with you this morning. Um, there, there's a number of reasons as I kind of like think through in my mind a, a catalog of reasons as to why I'm grateful to be here with you this morning. Um, the first one that comes to my mind is this. Because of Jesus, you're my family. You're my brothers and my sisters. And even though we're separated by geography right now as we seek to serve the Lord and worship the Lord and live on mission for the Lord in our respective places, one day there is going to be an amazing family reunion. And we will be in God's presence together forever. Isn't that good news? So I'm glad to be here with you because in Jesus, God is our Father. Christ is our elder brother. The Holy Spirit is our crazy uncle. Just kidding. Uh, we're family in Christ, and, and we'll be together forever. I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful to be here with you because even if you don't know this, I want you to know this, and I want you to be encouraged by this. Your church has a beautiful reputation. Your church has a beautiful reputation for being generous with the gospel and generous with sending your very best to expand the good news of Jesus to other cities, to other places, in the planting of New Testament local churches. And so having been close friends with Paul and Peggy and Jeff and Mickey and Toby and Kelly for as long as I have been, um, I know that you are a church that gives and gives and gives for the sake of the gospel giving Jacob and Michelle for Manchester, giving Mike and Enza for Salem, giving Sean and Hannah for Cambridge. You are known for being generous with the gospel. And so it is good to be here with you and, and say on behalf of the churches, thank you. Thank you for not holding tightly to those things that would be so tempting to hold on to. But you've been generous and open and have given much. And may the Lord, by his grace, continue to pour out every provision and blessing so you can continue to be strong here and continue to give in Jesus' name. I wanted you to know that your church, you, not just your pastors, but you, King of Grace Church, you are known for being generous with the good news of Jesus. And there's going to come a day where you will get to see from God's vantage point all the good that has happened as a result of your gospel generosity. So it's good to be here with you because of that, to be here with you in your presence. But it's also good to be with you because we have the joy and privilege of being partnered together in Trinity Fellowship Churches. As Paul mentioned, he and I have had the joy and the privilege of serving together in denominational leadership for years. And, and we've not only, we're not only, but we not only both have church planting in common, now we have the joy of planting a denomination together. Um, and so we're a year and a half into the planting of Trinity Fellowship Churches, and we were just together last week in Frisco, Texas, for our third General Assembly and Leadership Summit. 
And I just want you to know that you, you were there in sending your pastors, um, both Paul in person and then Jeff and Toby virtually. Um, we were able to even leverage those technologies for, for denominational purposes. And we were able to, to lean into the Lord together as we continue to pray for God to bless and shape our new denomination. So last week we were able to, to lean into the Lord together pour out our hearts to him and have him encourage us with his presence. We're able to do some hard work together. We had some guests with us who were interested in joining our denomination. And we told them while they were there with us in Frisco last week that you've kind of entered a work site, put on your hard helmet because we're doing a, a lot of work and we're building things. And we believe that what we're building together in Trinity Fellowship Church is with your help and partnership is worth it because churches need churches and pastors need pastors to do what the Lord has called the church to do. If we're going to be faithful and fruitful in the work of the gospel, then we need each other. No single church, no single eldership is sufficient for the great task to make disciples of the nations. No single church, no single eldership is sufficient to, do, to, to mature and shape the church to be a beautiful reflection of Christ's glory. We need one another. We need you. And so it's a joy to be in partnership with you through Trinity Fellowship Churches. And so thank you for your continued, uh, your continued support. Thank you for continuing to joyfully release your elders um, to partner and serve and do the hard work that we're doing together. And by God's grace, we, we long together as Trinity Fellowship Churches to reach many people with the good news of Jesus, both locally and globally, for the fame of Christ. Amen? Amen. And thank you again for being a part of it. It is so good um, to be here with you together. And now I have the privilege of not only worshiping with you, but having the privilege to make a deposit with the Word of God. So would you take your Bible and go to Acts chapter 2. In just a moment, I'll be reading from Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 to 47, and here we want to consider a church in awe of Jesus. Church in awe of Jesus. Let us hear the word of God. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me direct your attention back to verse 43 once again. And all came upon every soul. That is God's word. May he add his blessing to its reading and now preaching through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I'm sure you know what it's like to experience awe and wonder. 
Those moments where you have an experience and, and all you can do in that moment is say, that was awesome. And maybe if you're like me, you, you kind of have a mental catalog of moments like that in your life where you experienced all and wonder. For me, in, in my mind, in my, my overly organized mind, I, I have them categorized by dates. For example, October 12th, 1994. That was the day that they were going to demolish a landmark in our northeast Philadelphia neighborhood, the Sears Roebuck Clock Tower. The Sears Tower stood as like the gateway into northeast Philadelphia. It was the tallest structure in our community. And when people were driving north on the Roosevelt Boulevard in the city of Philadelphia, when you saw the Sears Tower, you knew that you were in God's country, northeast Philadelphia. But this, they were going to, Sears was downsizing and said they were going to demolish this beautiful building. And so my best friend Tim and I, we decided that we were going to get down to the blast zone the day of the demolition, get as close to the caution tape as possible, and witness this phenomenal moment. And so we got there, and we heard the countdown out loud, 10, 9, 8, all the way down the 1, and then right there before our very eyes, we watched 9 million bricks tumble to the ground. We could feel the earth move under our feet. That was awesome. <laughs> or how about May 19th, 2001, my wedding day. 20 years ago, this coming Wednesday. I remember this day like it was yesterday for many reasons. But I remember that Rachel and I decided that before all the hubbub of the wedding would take place, before the photography would take place, we wanted to have a moment where we would see each other for the first time. And to be honest, I wanted a moment to see her in her wedding gown for the very first time. And so we set it up where I was in the front of the church auditorium with my back to the doors. And she came through the doors. I heard the doors open. I turned around, and there she was. I saw my beautiful bride for the first time in her wedding gown. That was awesome. April 2nd, 2003, September 17th, 2004, September 18th, 2006, the birthdays of our three children, Payson, Piper, and Silas. I still remember holding each one of them in my arms for the very first time. That was awesome. Or maybe a date on your calendar, December 19th, 2000, the premiere of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Rings. Finally, what I had read on paper was before my eyes on the big screen. And I'll never forget watching Gandalf plant that staff on the bridge in the mines of Moria, look into the Balrog and say, you shall not pass. That was awesome. <laughs> or February 29th, 1992, just a couple weeks before my 15th birthday, I was an inner city kid in Northeast Philadelphia who got invited to a youth group in the city that was doing a lot of valiant things to keep kids off the streets. And so after attending this youth group for about a year in the basement of that church, someone sponsored me to attend a church retreat. And there on that night, I heard the gospel yet again, but this time something happened that hadn't happened before. God's Holy Spirit began to bring conviction to my heart. And I realized that night that if I got what my sins deserved... I would spend eternity 
separated from God, experiencing the wrath I deserved for my many sins. And that night, I grabbed onto Jesus for dear life. And my life has never been the same. That was awesome. I'm sure you have your own list of experiences where you can say, I experienced all and wonder. Awesome moments in your life. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we find a church that was filled with awe and wonder. We just read in verse 43 that all came upon every soul. This was a church that was experiencing awesome moments as they gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to discover as we get into the text this morning is that the reason why this church was filled with awe is because this was a church that was keenly aware that Jesus was among them. They knew Jesus was in their midst. His presence was tangible. His power was discernible. His grace was palpable. His nearness was detectable. And day by day, they were aware that the crucified, risen, and now ascended and exalted Christ was right there in their midst. And church, it was awesome. Day by day, this church went deeper in all of Jesus as this church went deeper in their experience of the presence of Jesus. And King of Grace Church, you want to be a church like this. You want to be a church that goes deeper in your all of Jesus. And I'm here to show you from the Word of God this morning that the only way to go deeper in your all of Jesus is to be a church that goes deeper in your pursuit of Jesus. And that's the big idea we want to consider this morning from Acts 2, 42 to 47. The church goes deeper in their all of Jesus as the church goes deeper in their pursuit of Jesus. This is Jesus' vision not only for the church on the pages of the book of Acts, but this is, the, this is Jesus' vision for the church until he returns you probably know this, but let me remind you that the book of Acts is not simply a monument to admire, but a model to aspire. Jesus wants you to be a church that continues to grow in your all of him as you are a church that goes deeper in your pursuit of him. And when you are more aware of him, when his presence is more tangible to you, you will be in awe. Of Christ. So I want to ask three questions of the text this morning that will help us go deeper in discovering this amazing reality. First, we want to consider what does it mean to be in all of Jesus? Second, how do we go deeper in our all of Jesus? And third, what keeps us? What keeps us from going deeper in our all of Jesus? So first, what does it mean to be in awe of Jesus. Notice verse 43 again, and awe came upon every soul. Let's consider a few words here. The word soul. The word soul here is talking about the inside of a person. 
the immaterial part of you. The part of you that you do not see, but the part of you that you feel and sense. It's dealing with, with our emotions, our feelings, and our perceptions. So, so whatever this all is describing, it is something that everyone in this church was sensing at the deepest part of their being. That's the word soul. Then there's the word all. The word all is the Greek word phobos. And typically in my inner city context, I only drop Greek words when they sound like obvious other words that we know. What's the word phobos sound like? It's the word phobia. It's a word in our English use that, that typically means to be afraid. It's a word that describes a deep emotional experience that affects both the body and the mind. However, depending on its use in Scripture, it can mean the experience of a negative emotion or an experience of a positive emotion, like wonder. It can mean on one end of the spectrum, oh no. And on the other end of the spectrum, oh wow. So this very same word in, in, in different contexts can mean terror or it can mean wonder. It can mean oh no or it can mean oh wow. For example, in the Old Testament, we have this moment where, where, where Isaiah comes face to face with the, with the glorious, holy presence of God. And we are told in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon his throne, high and lifted up, and his glory filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each cried out to another. You know the text, say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And what was Isaiah's response to the awesome holiness of God? Oh no. <laughs> Woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King. When Isaiah considered his sinfulness in contrast to God's holiness, he had an oh no moment until the Lord reminded him of his mercy and forgiveness. And then his oh no went to oh wow. Here am I Lord. Send me. In the New Testament Gospels, it's like the disciples in the boat with Jesus. If, if I were the disciples, I would have thought twice about getting in a boat with Jesus because every time they did, something went wrong. They go into a boat and there's a storm. What do you know? Stop getting in the boat, guys. But here they are in the boat and a storm breaks out and they're fearing for their lives. They're, they're experiencing the fear, oh no side of the spectrum as they think they're going to die. And then Jesus comes up from his nap, comes to the side of the boat and speaks to the storm. Peace. Be still. And then that oh no moment turns into an oh wow moment as they say, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him. That's all. The word translated all covers oh no, oh wow, and everything in between. But there's a common denominator when man's soul encounters all. God's presence is the common denominator. All is what happens in the soul when people encounter the presence of God. All is what happens when you perceive God's nearness. 
Those who are in all of God are those who are aware that God is not just someone who is up there, out there, big guy in the sky. God, no, no, no. God is right here among us. And when those are aware that God is there among them, their soul experiences all. So when we read in verse 43, and all came upon every soul, what this means is that every person in this church in Jerusalem was aware that the crucified, risen, and ascended Christ was right there in their midst. John Stott, in his commentary on the book of Acts, makes the following observation about where this all came from. He said, quote, God had visited their city. He was in their midst, and they knew it. God was in their midst, and they knew it. They could sense it. They could sense God, feel God, apprehend God. They felt the nearness of God in their very souls. That's all. All is not a concept or a principle or a proposition. All is an experience, a feeling, an encounter of God in the soul as a result of being in the presence of Christ. So for the church in Jerusalem, sometimes this was an oh wow moment, and sometimes it was an oh no moment. It was an oh wow moment when God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and they witnessed 3,000 souls added to the church. Wow, God is among us. But it was also an oh no moment as we read in Acts chapter 5 verse 5 when Ananias and Sapphira conspired to lie to the church and to lie to God and didn't give what they said they actually gave and they dropped dead. And we read in Acts 5, verse 5, and great fear came upon all who heard it. Same word. Same word. Great fear. F.F. Bruce, New Testament scholar notes, there was an enduring sense of all, inspired by the consciousness that God was at work in their midst. That's all. When the church is aware Christ is among them. One more detail worth noting in this simple phrase, and all came upon every soul. It's that reality that it came upon every soul. That means that this was a passive experience. What do I mean by that? In other words, they didn't choose to be in all. They didn't decide to be in awe. They didn't conjure it up. They didn't work it up. They didn't use today's kind of lingo. They didn't get the lights right and the music right and the smoke machine going. Think, okay, God is here with us. No, no, awe is a passive experience. God causes awe to happen. God makes awe happen, which means this. If God makes all happen, if all comes upon us, then here's good news for you. All is a gift. God wants us to be in awe of him. He wants us to be aware of his presence. 
This is not just for the church in Jerusalem. This is for the church until Jesus returns. King of grace, this is for you. God wants you to be aware that he is in your midst. That Christ, although exalted in the highest, is here among you as we gather this morning. And I understand that this can land on your hearts in different ways based upon maybe your background and church experience. For those of you who have been following Jesus for some time, and maybe you come from more of a, of a traditional high church, focus on the academics and theological realities of the gospel kind of context. Anytime we talk about experience, you get a little skeptical. But maybe you come from the other extreme, where your church background and church experiences, if we don't have an experience, then we never really met with God. And it's more about experience and less about knowledge. Or some, for some of you, it might be more about knowledge and less about experience. Here's the point. Regardless of what our church experiences may be in the past, in the pages of Scripture, God cares about both what we know and what we sense. The gospel is about the head and the heart. And because God makes all happen, church, realize this. God wants you to be aware of his presence. Isn't this what Jesus communicated to his disciples before his crucifixion and resurrection? Jesus wanted his disciples to know that after his ascension, he would still be with them. In Matthew 28, verse 20, he said, Behold, I am with you always to the end of of the age. Now let's be honest. The timing of that promise, Jesus saying, I'm with you always, is a little bit of a head scratcher because he says this just before he ascends and his physical presence leaves the earth. What do you mean, Jesus? I'm with you always to the end of the age. If you're going, how is it that you're still with us? Jesus prepared his disciples for this paradox. In John chapter 14, verses 6 through 18, in the section of John's gospel called the final discourse, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In other words, in between the times of Jesus' ascension and return, Jesus assures his disciples that he will be with them through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That even though Jesus is going to prepare a place for them, he will come again. And in between the times of his leaving and his return, he assures them he will not leave them alone. And so Jesus sends the Holy Spirit who mediates the presence of Christ until Christ returns. The same apostle said in 1 John 3, 24, And by this we know that Jesus abides in us by the Spirit who he has given us. And by this we know, John says, Colorful word, the word know here. 
It means to sense, experience, feel. By this we sense the presence of Christ among us by the Spirit whom He has given us. This is why the Apostle Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Christ in Romans chapter 8. Because as we wait for Christ to return physically, the way we experience His presence as we wait for His return is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The way we encounter the presence of Christ is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So here is the big takeaway for us on this point. We can experience the nearness of our crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ right here, right now, through the Holy Spirit. And that's where it all comes from. It comes from experiencing the nearness of Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So just, let's take this in. Church, Jesus is not with you in theory. Jesus is not here this morning simply in our remembrance of him. As we often say at a memorial service, that this person will continue to be with us in our memory. No, no, Jesus is not with us in theory. Church, Jesus is here with us in reality. Jesus is here as you gather this morning. He's been here as we've been singing in his presence He's been here as we've been praying in his presence. He's here now as we hear his word proclaimed in his presence. Church, I got good news for you. Jesus goes to your church. You want to get someone excited about visiting your church? Go up and say, hey, you come to my church. You know, we got some people that you might know. You might know Pastor Paul from the community, but you know what goes to our church? Jesus. God goes to my church. You should come. Get to know him. Because he's there. Christ is here with you, King of Grace. And let's not miss this. He's not only here when you gather, as you come together in his name. What's true for you collectively is also true for you individually. The Spirit of God is here, mediating the presence of Christ as the church gathers. But the Spirit of God continues to go with you as you scatter throughout Haverhill and into the cracks and crevices of your community where you work and where you live and where you do life. Where you go, you are never alone. Christ is with you always. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You are never by yourself. And I don't know. I just have a sense this morning that someone right now is going through a very deep and dark valley. And what's making your valley deeper and darker is the, is the thinking that you are all by yourself. That no one knows. That no one understands. That no one sees your tears. That no one's aware of your sleepless nights. But I got good news for you. Christ knows. And he is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Wherever you go, Christ goes because you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Church, be in awe of Jesus. He's here with us now. He's here with us always. When we're together, when we scatter, Christ is with his church. And when we are aware that he is with us, here's the result. All happens. We 
will be in awe of Christ. That's all. It's the effect of Christ on the soul of the one who's aware of his presence. Now I've got good news for you if you keep track of time. The first point was the longest point. Second, how do we go deeper in our all of Jesus? Well, to answer that question, we need to see how verses 42 and 43 connect. You see, you should be a little skeptical when a preacher only preaches on one phrase out of a large section of Scripture, because that phrase is connected to a context. And even though I believe the Lord wanted us to, to spend time this morning meditating on this phrase of the church in all of Jesus, it's important to know where that all was coming from and how that all was being pursued Let's see the connection between verses 42 and 43. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And so here's the connection I believe we're supposed to make. As the church pursued the teaching of the apostles, as the church pursued fellowship, by gathering in large spots at the temple and in smaller spots in their homes, as they pursued the breaking of the bread in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, as they pursued God in humble, dependent prayer, it was through these means of grace that Christ's presence was experienced. And it was through pursuing Christ's presence through these ordinary means of grace that Christ's extraordinary presence was sensed and felt and encountered. In other words, the word fellowship, sacrament and prayer were the means by which the church experienced the presence of Christ and were subsequently filled with a deeper sense of awe and wonder that Christ was in their midst. As the gospel was preached... As the Bible was read, they experienced the nearness of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. As they fellowshiped together, ministering to one another, sharing their goods, mutually caring for one another, they experienced the nearness of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. As they broke the bread and drank the cup, partaking in the Lord's Supper, they experienced the nearness of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. As they prayed together, pouring out their hearts for God's provision, protection, guidance. As they poured out their hearts for signs and wonders and miracles, they experienced the nearness of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And there's more on the other side of verse 43. As they praised God together with glad and generous hearts, as they worshipped and celebrated God's goodness to them, they experienced the nearness of Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit. As they served the neighborhood and had favor among the people, going out in word and deed, representing the mercy and compassion of Christ, they experienced the nearness of Jesus by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I think you get the point. The way we pursue all in wonder is by pursuing the means through which Christ's presence is encountered. The word, fellowship, sacrament, prayer, miracles, praise, charity, evangelism. 
It is when we pursue the ordinary means of grace that we experience an extraordinary sense of Christ's presence. And it's when we experience an extraordinary sense of Christ's presence that we are filled with awe and wonder that Jesus is with us. So let me ask you a simple question. Do you want to be filled with more awe? Do you want to be in deeper wonder of Christ, your crucified, risen, ascended, and exalted Savior and Lord? Then if you want more of his presence, the application is very simple. You must seek his presence. You must pursue him through the means where he makes his presence known and available. If you want to experience more of the presence of Christ, you must seek him in his word. If you want to pursue and experience more of the presence of Christ, you must seek him in prayer. If you want to experience the presence of Christ, you must seek him in the fellowship of the saints. If you want to experience the presence of Christ, you must seek him in praise as you pour out your heart in celebration of his goodness. If you want to know more of the presence of Christ. You must seek him by going out in representation, making him known through your words and deeds, through those who are in desperate need of the mercy and grace of Christ. And when you seek him, you will find him as you search with all your heart. Solomon warns us, the soul of the slugger desires, but has nothing. The soul of the diligent shall be made fat. In other words, it's one thing to want it. It's another thing to go after it. Church, go after Christ. Church, go after Christ. Go after him in his word. Go after him in prayer. Go after him in fellowship. Go after him in service. Go after him in worship. And when you go after him, he is eager to make himself known. And when you encounter him, oh church, you will be in all of him. To the third and final question, very simple, and you probably already know the answer. I may not even have to preach this point. What keeps us from being in all of God? Very simple, lack of pursuit. You won't experience all in wonder if you don't pursue Christ's presence, both with the church and on your own. When you come, do not come to church like so many unfortunately do in in our Western experience. We come simply for an experience. We come simply to to be ministered to. We don't just come to be ministered to. We come to minister. We don't just come to receive. We come to give. We don't just come to be spectators. We come to be full, engaged participants. So church, as you gather, and I promise your pastors didn't ask me to say this. They're not saying, well, would you please whip this disengaged congregation into shape? No, 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 not at all. You're only spoken of well. But I just know my, the disposition of my own heart. It's so easy to, to walk through the doors and sit down and be passive. Church, don't be passive in church. Come to go after Christ together. Come to pursue him. Come to go after him. Come to encounter him. Come with the heart of Jacob. I will not let you go until you 
bless me with your presence. You see, it's one thing to have a privilege. It's another thing to take advantage of the privilege. Several Christmases ago, a good friend of mine, very aware of my caffeine uh, appreciation, also known as an addiction, um, got me this awesome travel mug from Starbucks. And this was not an ordinary travel mug from Starbucks. When, when you opened up the top, there was a, a little card inside, and the card read, eligible for a free espresso drink every day in the month of January. What a gift. I mean, good for my happiness, not good for my waistline. I meant caramel macchiatos, caramel lattes, caramel... Car you get the... the Every day, month of January, I could take that cup into Starbucks and they would fill it up with a free drink. So after I got it, New Year's Day, um, I'm in line at Starbucks getting my free drink. Next day, I'm at line, in my line getting a free drink, another free drink at Starbucks. Next day, Wednesday, there, getting another free drink at, the, at, at Starbucks. But you know what happened on Thursday? The barista didn't show up at my house and bring the coffee to me. Friday. The barista didn't knock on my door and say, I got a drink for you. No, no. The privilege was there, but in order for me to enjoy it, I had to go and take advantage of it. I had to take my cup and have it filled up. It's the same way, church, with the, with the promise of Christ's presence with us. Oh, he is with us. He is with us whether we detect his presence or not. Psalm 139 is true always and forever. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You know my, my thoughts from afar, my downsittings and my uprisings. It's one thing for God's presence to be. It's another thing for God's presence to be encountered. So we must pursue his presence if we are to encounter his presence. A.W. Tozer, in his classic little volume, The Pursuit of God, said it this way. The presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be one without the other. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence. On our part, there must be surrender to the Spirit of God, for his work is to show us the Father and the Son. If we cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will manifest himself to us. We must cooperate Here's how we cooperate. We go after God. We pursue Christ. And we pursue him through the means. Word, prayer, sacrament, fellowship. Church, you will only go more deeply in all of Jesus as you go deeper in your pursuit of Jesus. King of Grace Church, I, I urge you in the presence of God and commend you by his grace to take advantage of your privilege. Christ is with you.
and he wants you to know it. Church, go after Christ. Together and alone. And as you are more aware of his presence, oh, my blessed brothers and sisters, you will be more in all of Jesus. Would you be a church like this church, ever going deeper in your all of Christ? Amen? Amen. Would you be renewed in your desire for more of his presence, leading to a surrender to pursue more of his presence, and then reveling in every single manifestation of his presence he blesses you with by the grace of God? Let's pray together.